Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Hey, good morning, Thrive Church. So good to be with you guys this morning. Man, uh, Pastor Brian, Angela, thank you so much for allowing uh, my wife and I to be here uh, today with you guys. Man, there's a couple things that really stuck out to me. I want to congratulate you guys, first and foremost, on five years as a church plant. From my knowledge... uh, at least I don't know a lot about church planning, but I know that it's very difficult, it's very tough, and uh, a lot of times church plants don't make it five years. So would you guys give it up for yourselves? Five years. And not only are you, are you surviving, but man, you guys are thriving as a church. So man, I just, uh, I'm so excited to be here. I love Pastor Brian's heart. He shared the story of how God put it on his heart to plant this church back in 2016 and uh, how the Lord uh, moved him out of being a seeker-sensitive church to being a church uh, that is centered on the Word of God and reliant on the Holy Spirit. And so, man, when he said that, I just, uh, I got excited about it. And I text him every once in a while and just remind him, hey, we're praying for you guys because uh, we are so thankful. Not only uh, are we excited about you guys as a church, but we just want to say thank you even more so uh, for believing in us and for partnering with us as uh, one of your missionaries. So thank you guys so much. Uh, Last night, we saw three kids give their heart to the Lord, and the altars were packed with young people crying out to God, saying, God, here I am. Would you send me to my generation to be a witness? Would you send me to be a missionary to my friends, to my classmates, to my teammates, to the people in my world? And so uh, your guys' generosity empowers us to do that. So we just want to say thank you guys so much. Well, uh, as the video had said, uh, we are the new Youth Alive missionaries in Illinois, representing the nearly two million students in our state alone, many of them go to school every day hurting, broken, and who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. They've never heard a clear presentation that there's a God in heaven who loves them and wants to save them, who wants everything to do with them, even in the moments that they don't want anything to do with with them. And uh, God just gave us a burden as youth pastors and We wanted to do something to get into the schools where this mission field meets eight hours a day, five days a week. And so we began to offer our local community schools. We didn't know how it was going to go, but God just gave us incredible favor. Uh, We were able to bring in a school assembly into up to eight different schools in a three-day period. And then we'd invite all the students to an off-campus event where we had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And we saw... Uh, year after year, if you can imagine uh, this place being jam-packed with young people from lo- the local schools coming because of an invite they received at their school campus, coming and then hearing the truth, the good news of the gospel. And when students were given the opportunity at the end of the night to respond to the gospel, if you can imagine from wall to wall, from the front row all the way to the front of the stage, being jam-packed with young people in that moment responding to the gospel, 
calling out to the Lord to save them. That was a reality that we lived. And then uh, we would watch as many of these students would come to our youth ministry in the following weeks. We'd see this huge influx of students coming into our youth group. Students that would have never set foot in our church if we didn't first find a way to set foot in their school. We got to know many of their stories. A story that sticks out to me uh, is uh, that of a young man named Joe. Joe came into our youth ministry as this tiny sixth grade kid, if you can imagine him. Sixth grade spiky, blonde-haired mohawk, tattered skateboarding shoes, holes in his clothes, dressed in black. And when I say holes in his clothes, I'm not talking about the stylish kind. I'm talking because he couldn't afford the stylish clothes. But he came in our, our church every week with a huge smile on his face, excited to be at church because perhaps for the first time, Joe was experiencing something at church that he didn't experience at home or anywhere else. You see, I found out that Joe was the product of a teenage pregnancy. Joe's mom had him when she was uh, 14 years old. Joe grew up in a single-parent home, poverty-stricken, devoid of a father figure, watched mom go in and out of relationships with men and women. And we came to his school when Joe was in sixth grade. He came, he heard about this event, he showed up. And then he started coming to our youth group. And he began to come and stay because he began to, because he didn't know much about his dad. The only thing he knew about his dad was that his dad wasn't there. So when he began to come to church, he began to hear about the love of his heavenly father that would never leave him or forsake him. He began to be exposed to people like the people in this room, men and women of God, showing him that he was valued that people cared about him, that were invested into him. Joe came in as a sixth grade kid today. Joe is in 11th grade, still plugged into that youth ministry. And up until the pandemic, when Katie and I were still the youth pastors, he would hitch rides to come to church on Sunday morning. And he oftentimes he would bring his younger sister with him. She too, the product of a teenage pregnancy. Didn't know anything about her dad. Never had a relationship with their dad. But these are two lives of teenagers that are representative of students in this community and in communities all across our state that are hurting and broken. Unless we do something as a church, may never hear a clear presentation of the gospel. And so we believe that God has called Katie and me up to be his representatives, to be his mouthpiece on behalf of those two million students to bring awareness to churches, and to get people praying and investing into the next generation. They say that 94% of the people that give their life to Christ do so before the time they exit high school. 94%. If we did a survey of churches across America today, and we asked believers, when was it that the foundation of your life was established? 94 out of 100 would say, I came to faith, or the foundation of my faith was established before the time I graduated high school. That's my story. I'm the product of a church kid's invitation to youth group. I came in as an 18-year-old kid, got saved. I was the kid that your church scholarship to youth camp during the summer. God changed my life, and I'm here today because somebody believed in that young man to believe that he could make a difference in somebody else's life. And I'm here today because of a generation that did what... You, Pastor Brian just talked about passing, passing on to the next generation. And so 
we want, we're out to rescue the 94%. If we had two ponds to fish from and one pond gave us a 6% chance of catching fish, but it was easier to get to, funner to fish from, it had all the allure of it, but then there was another pond a little bit harder to get to, a little more awkward to fish from, a little bit messier to reach or to fish in. But if we gave you a 94% chance of catching fish, which pond would you fish in? I don't care how hard it would be to get to that pond. If I knew that it gave me that much better chance of catching fish, I would fish in this pond all day, every day. And ladies and gentlemen, that is, our, that is the next generation where 94% of the people that give their life to Christ do so before. There's people that are called to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be fishers of men and to seek and to save that which is lost. There's not a more strategic pond for us to fish from than that pond right there. And so thank you, church, for uh, believing and investing in reaching the 94%. The title of my message today is called 72.5. I need, some, I need a young person. Uh, you told me her name before. What's your oldest daughter's name? Bella, Bella, come on up here. I'm going to pay you $5. Come on up here. Bella, come, come. She's like, no, don't pick me. Come on. We need you to come up here. Give it up for Bella. She's coming up here like she is, like she's coming up for the price is right. All right, Bella, run, run, run. Okay. She's taking the long way. All right, come on up here, sweetheart. Okay, I didn't tell your... Your mom did not volunteer you for this. I just kind of did some strategic questioning to find out I needed somebody to help me out. And you, guess what? You're the one. So, hey, you're, I'm a little taller than you. You can come on up here. Come on up here. There we go. How's that feel? The same. Okay. All right. So, uh, I'm going to give you some money today because obviously I'm embarrassing you. You didn't want to come up here. But you did. You have some courage. Let's give it up for Bella. All right. All right. So... I'm going to give you $5, but before I give you these $5 to you, you and I have to come to an agreement that I can do with these $5 whatever I want. Oh, awesome. I love it. No hesitation. That's great. It's like, it's like, dude, just give me the $5, right? Okay, so what I need you to do, we already know that your mom's in here, so what I need you to do is I need you to hold these $5 up just like this and look real pretty for your mom. Can you do that? That's going to be easy for you to do. Here you go. Hold those up. Okay. So it's kind of like this. If you go to Google, if you go to a search engine and you type in the words average life expectancy, you'll find the results to be somewhere right around 72 and a half years. Uh, Based on statistics, they can predict that any person that's born today would live on average 72 and a half years. Now I find it interesting that men tend to live less than women. Women, on the other hand, tend to live longer. Now all the women in the room those, that doesn't come to any surprise that you would live longer than the men in your life because you've seen some of the things that men do. And men, we can give it up for all the women in the room for raising the bar for the human race because if it weren't for the women, average life expectancy would be far less than 72 and a half years. So thank you women by helping us make better decisions 
elongating our lives, but also living longer and therefore raising the bar to 72 and a half years. Now, I hope that as believers, we would live far beyond 72 and a half years. Some of you, you may be approaching that. Well, let me just tell you this. As long as God has breath in your lungs, he's not finished with you yet. In average, none of us are called to be average. I pray we far exceed what's average because God has called us to live more than average lives. Amen? But for the sake of illustration, it's like this. When you and I are thrusted into this life, it's like God hands us five $1 bills. Each dollar bill represents 14 and a half years of a person's life. Now, for a girl, it would, out, it would be more like 15 years. Bella, how old are you? 14. Your mom told me you were 15. She was estimating up. Okay, I get it. All right, so you're pretty much 14 and a half years old, right? So right here represents the life of a student exiting eighth grade, going into ninth grade. What grade are you in? Ninth grade. This right here represents Bella's life. Bella, that part of your life was already, it's spent. You'll never get that part of your life back, Bella. Thank God. Well, there's probably some hurt, maybe some pain, maybe some regret, maybe uh, maybe some things you did that you wish you could have back. Maybe some things you wish you did that you didn't do. But you have time. That's, very, that's great. Sometimes the problem is we allow what we've already spent to rob us of what we have left. We have things that we've spent, but more than likely, well, we all have, we all, we're all still living, so we all have something left. And the enemy would, would say, to you to allow what has passed to rob you of what you have left. But I'm here to say this, is that God has breath, as long as you have breath in your lungs, God's not finished with you yet. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. But Bella, you've already lived one-fifth of your life. You'll never get it back. Any impact you could have made with the first 14 and a half years of your life has been spent and it's been gone forever. Now, how old do you think I am? Before you answer, we just established that I like you. I don't know you super well. Uh, I think we might have met at youth camp or something. Uh, I want to keep it that way. So when I ask you to tell me how old you think I am, I need you to answer very carefully. How old do you think I am? Please answer nicely. 32. Okay. I take it. I'll take that. I'll take that. When I had a perm, I got lower. I got, I had, uh, I had some, I had some guesses in the 20s, but, uh, Bella, I'm 37. 72 and a half, 37. 72 and a half, 37. Bella, let me show you my life. That and that right there. Bella, go ahead and pick those up for me. I've lived one half of my life. It seems like yesterday I was coming out of high school with my whole life ahead of me, and then I blinked, and now I've got gray in my beard. Some of you, you blinked, and you're losing hair. Some of you blinked, and now you're seeing wrinkles. Some of you blinked, and your, and your baby girl or your baby boy is now a teenager. Is that true? How many of you guys have had, how many of you guys have looked at your kids, and it's like you blinked? You can't believe how quickly they grow up. We have only so much time. We have to make it count. We have to spend it wisely it makes me think of this passage bella it's found in psalm 90 verse 12 it says this 
Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Bella, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those $4 bills. You can go to uh, McDonald's or wherever you want to go afterwards. But here's what I want you to do with these two half-dollar bills. I want you to write the word 72.5, and I want you to write the scripture verse, Psalm 90, verse 12. And I want you to put it somewhere to remind yourself each day. Life is short. Life is a gift, and life echoes, and we have to make it count. we got to make it count. Because if we're not careful, you're going to blink your eyes. You're going to be out of high school. You're going to blink again, and you'll be, a, you'll be well in your adult years. You're going to blink, and you're going to be a mom. Is that scary? We've got to make life count. Would you guys give it up for Bella? Remind yourself daily. Go ahead. Go ahead. Give it up for her. Thank you, Bella. Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Something happens when we look at our lives through the lens of five $1 bills. We begin to realize some things. Another translation says, God, teach me to know the brevity of life that I may gain perspective. I want to share with you three perspectives very quickly this morning that Psalm 90 verse 12 gives us. Number one is this, is that life is short. Life is incredibly short. Some of you in that moment, you realize, man, I've already spent this many years of my life and I've only got this number of dollar bills left. Life is short. The Bible reminds us that in James 4.14, it says, what is your life like? It's like a mist that appears for a moment and then it's gone. What is your life like? It's like a mist. If God could capture your attention right now about your life, he would say your life is like a mist that appears for a moment and then it vanishes. Did you see it? And then it's gone. Life is short. Randy Alcorn, a Christian author, says it like this, as ter- as As humans, we have a terminal disease called mortality. The current death rate is 100%. Unless Jesus returns soon, we are all going to die. We don't like to think about death, yet worldwide, three people die every second. 180 people die every minute. In church, in the roughly one hour that we spend together today, 11,000 people will have died. He goes on to say this. If the Bible is right about what happens to us after death, it means that more than 250,000, a quarter of a million people either go to heaven or hell every day. Life is short. We're not guaranteed another day. We gotta make what we have count. Number two, life is a gift. It's a gift that God's given us. We can spend it any way that we want. God's given us the gift of life. It's a gift that you can do whatever you want with it. But the Bible also warns us that after this life, it's appointed for man to live once and after this comes judgment. No matter whether we know the Lord or we don't know the Lord, we'll all stand before God and give an account for the life that God has given us. There'll be an eternal account that determines whether we spend eternity in heaven or hell, but for even for believers, we'll stand before God, and God will judge us for the life that we've been given. It's a motivation to us to want to make the most of it, for us to to enter into heaven and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in little things. Now I'm going to give you even bigger things. Reminds me of the time I was 13 years old. I just became a baseball fan. I lived in western Florida, and all everybody was a big Braves fan. And my best friend was a Yankees fan. And 
I was 13, and I was kind of lost in the world of baseball fandom. My dad was from Illinois, and so as a 13-year-old kid, I said, Dad, who's your favorite baseball team? Do you know who he said? All right, now I'm in Chicago area and not south, so it's a better chance you guys are going to guess this one right. Chicago Cubs, let's go. The year was 1997. I was 13 years old. It was the year the Cubs started out 0-14. Some of you remember this. But some of you remember the year after this, 1998, the year that cemented me as a Cubs fan. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, home run battle. I'm looking for the baseball fans in here that could just reminisce with me for just a moment. Kerry Wood, 20 strikeout game. Tied the major league record. The Cubs made it to the wild card. First playoff appearance since 1989. Man, I was concreted in as a Cubs fan. It was a beautiful year. Well, I became a baseball fan, but what I wasn't aware of was these rivalries that you choose one team and you stick to it. So I had like five or six base, favorite baseball teams. Whoever beat the Braves or the Yankees, those, those were usually the teams that became my favorite, my favorite teams to root for. But up at uh, Kmart, we used to ride our bikes up to Kmart, and at the front of Kmart were these quarter machines. And you'd put a quarter in it, and out would come these little miniature baseball caps, the colors of every major league baseball team with the little emblem. And I was 13. That wasn't very wise. And I decided that day, I just given, my dad had just given me my allowance for the next several weeks. Probably the equivalent of about $50 in today's money. I went up to the service desk, and I traded in my dollar bills for quarters. And then I proceeded to the little quarter machine one at a time, and when I ran out of dollar bills, or when I ran out of quarters, I'd go back up to the service desk and get more quarters, and I did this continually for the next hour or longer until I had no more money, and I had two or three grocery sacks jam-packed full of these little miniature baseball caps. I remember putting them on the handlebars of my bicycle and riding home, excited about my new investment. Until I got home, and I needed more money, and I had to give an account to my dad for the way that I chose to spend his hard-earned money in the form of an allowance, his gift to me. It was mine to spend any way that I wanted to, but when I had that conversation with my dad, I had to give an account for the gift that he would given me. I don't remember how that conversation went. I don't remember where those worthless little miniature baseball caps are today. But I'll tell you this, there's a lesson in my heart about the things that have been given to me and how I can choose to spend them and therefore waste them or I can invest them into something that will far outlive me. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Life is short. Everybody look to the person next to you and say, life is short. Therefore, he says, do not be foolish, but understand what God wants us to do. What does God want us to do? Life is short. Life is a gift. We'll give an account for this gift. Number three is this, is that life echoes. Your life will echo. You and I, 100 years from now, we'll be dead. And how, we're how we'll either be remembered or forgotten based on how we choose to 
treat this gift that God's given us. 100 years from now, I was telling the students last night, it's safe to say all of us, our bodies will be rotting away in a casket six feet under the turf with a tombstone over our head with a little line that will define our lives. 100 years from now, you and I will pass out of this life and into the next life. They'll have a funeral for us, and people will say things about us. What will people say about you on your funeral? What do you want people to say about you? After you're, after you're done and over with, what will you be remembered for? Will anybody, when they pass out of this life, will anybody say, I made it to heaven because that person? Our days on earth will echo. Philippians 1.10 says this, I want you to understand what really matters. What really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives. Lives that truly matter. Until the day that Jesus returns. Church, we get this life one time. One time and that's it. And once we've spent this life, we'll never get it back. Today, you'll never have it back. Any impact that you can make with your life today will be spent and done with. Anything that you can do in the next week, a week from now, will be spent. Every moment is a precious moment of life. Every moment is short. It's a gift and it has the ability to echo. Today has the ability to echo. For all of eternity, based on how you choose to spend or invest your life. Philip of Macedon, the father of Alexander the Great, one of the most accomplished generals in ancient history. We don't even know, many of us don't know who Philip of Macedon was. We know more about his son, Alexander the Great. Yet he had a servant that would stand before him each day, look him in the eyes and remind him with the words, Philip, you're going to die. See, for Philip, it was a reminder. He knew life was short. He knew life was a gift. He knew that his life could echo. He wanted his echo to be in form of fame and fortunes and all the things that the world esteems. Yet today, Philip of Macedon, his, his corpse has rotted away. He's got no fame or fortune. He's forgotten for most part. Yet he spent his life in pursuit of things that today don't matter. God reminds us today that we're going to die, not so that we can gain all the treasures and accolades this world esteems, but so that we could and build our kingdom and gain our treasures, earthly treasures. He reminds us today because we're not building our kingdom. We're building his kingdom. We're not trying to live for what treasures we can get on earth. We're living for heavenly treasures that God promises to those who are faithful to make the most of this life. Jesus says it best in Matthew 6, 19 through 20. He says, don't store up treasures on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and thieves can break in and steal. Don't store up treasures on earth. He says, no, instead, store up treasures in heaven where moths cannot eat and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Paul says, I want you to know what really matters, to live for what truly matters. Church, in the light of eternity, in the light of the fact that life is short, life is a gift, and life echoes, what really matters, when we get all to the bottom of it, most of the things that we spend our lives in pursuit of won't matter. 
what won't matter? All the treasures and accomplishments this world esteems. The fancy car, the dream house, the promotion at work, the athletic or academic scholarships. Many times our students pursue and sacrifice of their spiritual life. All the trophies on their bedroom wall, who they marry, where they go to college, who wins the Bears game today on Justin Fields' first NFL start. Won't matter. Man, I'm excited for the Bears today, but in reality... Who wins that game won't matter. Just two things matter. 100 years from now. Where am I and who's with me? To know Jesus and to make Jesus known. That's it. To know Jesus determines where we spend eternity. But to make Jesus known determines who we spend it with. If we could just get to the bottom of life, if we could just apply a new filter to our life, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known, that's all that really matters. Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I just have two questions today. Do you know Jesus? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. We're Christians because we've called upon the name of the Lord to be our Savior. We don't rely on our good works, going to church, tithing. We don't rely on on any of those things. Feeding the homeless, that doesn't save us. That doesn't make us any better than the worst of the worst. If we've sinned, we're, we're a sinner. We're in need of a Savior. God wanted everything to do with you when you wanted nothing to do with him. Why would God ever allow people to go to hell? It's because God's a gentleman. He respects your free will. He's given you a free gift of life and a free will to accept or to reject him. And if we don't want anything to do with God here on this side of eternity, he doesn't force us to spend all of eternity with him there. See, the true treasure of heaven is eternity with God. It's not escape just simply from hell. It's not all the, tre- all the treasures and promises. It's God's presence. Unfiltered love and presence of God Almighty who loves you and cares for you. It's ultimate hope, ultimate joy, ultimate love in the presence of God for all of eternity. That is the reward of heaven. And if we don't want that here, if we're not trying to chase that here, he's not going to force us to have it there. See, the beauty of our, of our love for God is that we chose it. If Katie was wired with a magic button that got her to do whatever I wanted her to do, when I wanted her to do it, it'd be really fun. Do the dishes, scoop the dog poop, make me a quesadilla. Uh, We could get really creative with that, men, but that's a February series. But at some point, after pushing the button, it would become incredibly empty. Because you would know, man, she's not doing it because she's choosing to. She's doing it because she has to. And God doesn't wire us with the magic button where we have to do what he wants us to do. He makes his will plain to us in his word. He says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That all would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. That's his will. That's his desire. He made it, he routed a way for us to come to him through Jesus Christ but he's not gonna force any one of us to accept him. He's not gonna force us to spend eternity with him in heaven if we don't want anything to do with him here. God loves you so much. 
He understands the value of your love. It's found in your ability to choose him. In a world of options, he's looking for people to say, God, I choose you. Do you know him today? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond, to call upon Jesus, to be your Savior, your Lord, your best friend, to say, God, I need forgiveness of my sins. And more than anything, I want you in my life. I want you to change me and transform me and make me anew. And God, I'm willing to, I'm willing to just come to that point and give it all to you. Some of you, maybe that's you today. But the second question I have is, will you make Jesus known with your life? Listen, if you already know Jesus, that's awesome. Man, that's amazing. Let's go. But if the whole point of our existence is to know Jesus, God would zap us to heaven the moment we get saved and save us a lot of trouble. But he keeps us here. Like the demoniac that wanted to ju- jump on the boat with Jesus and leave. He, Jesus says, no, I want you to go back. I've got a mission for your life. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I want you to make me known. I want you to share the world what I've done in your life and share it that others might call upon me to save them too. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news. I take delight knowing that he's not looking for gifted or smart or outgoing or extroverted or popular people or the people that are at the top of the totem pole. The one qualifier that God looks for in anybody that he chooses to use to bring people to him, the people that are willing. That's the one qualifier. Not that you're morally excellent, not that you have it all together, not that your marriage is perfect, not that you made it to church today without arguing with your, your wife or your kids. That stuff doesn't disqualify you. God wants to use an imperfect you. Man, I'll pay you $1,000 if you can show me an imperfect. No, I, 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 nobody that God ever used, at least as far as I know, was ever perfect outside of Jesus. Every one of them said, God, I can't do this. I can't, I, I can't speak without stumbling. I'm the lowest in my family. I'm a murderer, I'm an adulterer, I'm this, I'm that. And God says, shut up. It's not by power or by might, it's not by human excellence, but it's by the Holy Spirit and your willingness to yield yourself to his leading. God will send you if you're simply willing. There are people in your life that God is asking the same question that we find in Isaiah 6, 8. God is asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? He's asking that question about your neighbors, your friends, your family, your coworkers, the slow driver in the left lane. He's asking that question. Who will go for us? And what he's looking for is somebody that doesn't say, I've got it all together, God, I know everything. He's simply looking for people to say, God, here I am. Send me. Send me. If you're willing, God will use you and God will send you into the lives of people. God will open up opportunities for you that you never saw and you never imagined. Katie and I were at some meetings a few weeks ago, and she was going down to the lobby to get me some coffee, and I'm sitting there thinking, where is my coffee? She comes up half an hour to 45 minutes later. My coffee's cold. I find out it's decaf. And I'm about to get a little 
frustrated. And Katie says, it's cold, it's decaf, but I just had an amazing encounter with a woman on the elevator. And my whole demeanor changed. She shared the story of how a woman was crying her eyes out on the middle of an elevator. And Katie took a moment and just prayed with her and heard her story. Found out that this woman was going through through some things. Got her phone number, began to text back and forth. The woman since then has been felt challenged to get plugged back into church. We don't even know the full scope of all that God's doing in her heart. But it was just coming from a moment in which Katie was on an assignment from her husband to grab some coffee. And she felt the assignment from the Lord to reach and minister to this woman. We gotta be willing to be in the moment with the people that were around and slow down and see people that are hurting and in need and, and just whatever ways God gives us. God is so, he loves the people in your world enough to give you an opportunity. He's just looking for people that are willing to, to just say, I'm here, God, would you send me? He doesn't expect you to do it on your own or in your own strength. It's called the great commission. Co means together. You have co-workers because you work with them. It's the commission. It's God's mission with you. Commission. And he says this. I've, given, I've been given authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. And be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. He is with us and he is in us, empowering us. All we have to do is be willing to do it. He gives us the ability to do it, but he doesn't control your willingness. If you're a willing vessel, God will use you. Found this pamphlet back there that you, that, uh, you guys have put together. 82% of unchurched people would be willing to go to church if they were simply invited. Yet only 2% of people offer invitations. Found another resource over up there. This is the, the, a, G, a card with the gospel on the back side of it. Great resources. God, I'm willing to just, I don't know a whole lot. I don't have it all put together. But you know what one thing we can do? We all, can all be willing to pray for somebody. We can all be willing to share our story with somebody. We can all be willing to invite somebody to church. Will you go? First, I want to go back to the first question, do you know him? Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Do you know him? If you're here today and you know that you and God are not on the same same page, you're here today and you know that you're lost, you're hurting, you're broken, and you're not trusting Jesus to be your savior. Maybe you were counting on church attendance or tithing or doing good works or trying to do it all on your own, but you really have not relied on Jesus. And if you're here today and you'd say, that's me, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. I need to call upon him to be my Lord, my savior, my friend. In just a moment, I'm gonna count to three and just invite you to lift your hands up and just say, that's me today. And then I wanna pray with you and lead you and calling out to the Lord to be your Savior, to change your life. If that's you here today, on the count of three. One, two, three. How many would say that's me here today? I see the hand on the back there. Is there anybody else here today that would say that's me? Anyone else? The 
Would you close your eyes and just bow your heads with me? Just pray this all across this room. Let's just pray this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. Jesus, I give you my life of sin and shame and guilt and lostness to be found by you right now. To take on myself the innocence of Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Today I repent of my sins. I turn away from them. And I turn to you to be my Savior, my friend, and my Lord. Come into my life and never let me be the same again. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you, pray, if you prayed that today, would you uh, tell somebody? Would you talk to Pastor Brian? If you did it online, would you just say, that's me. I prayed that prayer. Somebody will follow up with you in the comments. But what I really came here for beyond that is I believe the Holy Spirit wants to commission you to be a missionary to your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people maybe that you've written off, the people that are sometimes hard to love. I want to know in this place how many of you would say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. This is what I want you to do. Would you just stand up if you say, that's me? We're going to go into a song, and I, I want to, I believe there's something about stepping out of our comfort and walking into our calling. You can pursue your comfort, or you can pursue your calling, but see, you can't pursue both of them. Calling is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to plant a church. It's uncomfortable to move week to week, but church, we got a calling to reach our community. There's people that are hurting and broken and dying, and God is looking for you not to just be willing to set up and do all the things that are required to be a church plant and to be a mobile church, but to be willing to go into your world and be a missionary to the people in your world. And I believe there's a, I want to invite you to step out of your seat and just have an encounter with God. And I just want to pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit as you step out of your comfortable seat and find a place across the altar. We're going to go into a song saying, I'm available. I hear your call and I'm available. Here I am. I want to invite you just like we did back in youth group to find a place across this altar. Feel free to get on your knees before the Lord and surrender to say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you to empower me. I need your Holy Spirit to come alongside of me. I'm willing. Here I am. going to go into this song in just a moment, but God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would move our hearts for what moves your heart, the lost people in our world that are hurting and broken and need somebody. They need a me. Somebody out there needs me, God. Show me who it is. Here I am in the words of Isaiah the prophet. Send me, God. Send me to my hurting and broken friends, family, and co-workers, God. Help me to love them the way that you love them. Help me to swallow my fears, oh God, and walk in courage and boldness in your love.
God, I ask for the Holy Spirit to just come in a special way and meet these people that have come forward. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would impart something here and now in this moment. They would, they would have an empowering encounter with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.